Father Seraphim Rose in 1981. At that time, I was a spiritual seeker, and I had learned about orthodoxy just uh, a few months before. And I was looking into it, and I was on the way to becoming orthodox, but I had not really fully made the decision to become orthodox. I was uh, going to the University of California in Santa Cruz, and our Orthodox Fellowship on the campus had invited Father Seraphim to come to the university to give a lecture. And he came to the university one evening, it was in May, uh, May 14th to be exact, and uh, he uh, arrived that evening and uh, got out of his beat-up old pickup truck and was in his old worn uh, uh, Riasa and uh, greeted me with a Paschal uh, greeting and with his old work boots, with his long robe, and walked with me and the other students through the campus and I felt like I was walking with a, a man who had walked out of uh, ancient uh, fourth century Egyptian desert. Uh, but the impression that I had from Father Seraphim that evening when he gave his lecture and he was with us was one who was really the wisest person that I had ever met in my life. With, he had a spiritual wisdom uh, and I felt the grace of God in him and I felt that he was, although I couldn't really put it in words at that time because I, as I said I had only recently learned about orthodoxy, I felt that he was one who had really died to himself. He didn't really have anything of himself. He had really given everything to Christ uh, and uh, died to the world. Uh, and he had given everything to the service of the church. Uh, and that very, that very day, that very evening, I made the decision to become an Orthodox Christian. So Father Seraphim influenced my life more than any person that I that I ever met. And uh, so that set me on the path to, to become Orthodox. And that evening he invited me to our monastery, the St. Herman of Alaska Monastery in Posina, California, the mountains of Northern California. And so I continued going there for the next year and a half, was eventually baptized there. And then uh, a year after I was baptized, uh, which was uh, at the time of Father Seraphim's repose, uh, a year and a half after I met him, uh, I uh, became a novice with our brotherhood. And I've been in the uh, monastic brotherhood ever since. Well, F Father Seraphim was my guide as I was, and my spiritual father as I prepared to become Orthodox. I uh, became a catechumen at the monastery during my first visit. And uh, then I would come to the monastery as often as I could while I was a college student. Uh, and um, we would talk, we would either uh, 
go, I would go to his cell and we would talk or we would talk at the monastery or take a walk. Uh, and uh, I always felt this great compassion from him, and great care and love. But he was a man of few words. He would, he would uh, listen to me and then he would wait and uh, just say exactly what was needed and say just these a few words that would just, just sink into my heart and would uh, be something that I would remember and carry with me. Uh, and uh, then, uh, as I said, uh, I went, as I, I knew, knew him for a year and a half, and then I went to the monastery in 1982 to be baptized by him. Um, and he was to be my godfather. But uh, at that time he got sick and uh, was put in the hospital. So while he was uh, in the hospital, I was baptized. And uh, uh, then when I came back to the hospital, and I came into the hospital room, I was in my white robe, my white baptismal robe, and Father Seraphim could not speak because he was suffering so much. He had the mask on his face, the oxygen mask, and he was actually tied to the bed because he was so, he was in such pain. But he recognized me with my baptismal robe and even in the midst of his pain and suffering, he, and although he couldn't speak, he smiled and uh, squeezed my hand. So it was very meaningful to me that he was able to uh, to see me as a newly illumined Orthodox Christian. And uh, then he died soon afterwards. But I was there during this whole time of his suffering, and I could see the great faith that with which he endured that suffering. And he would be lying there. And as I said, he couldn't speak. He had tubes in him and tubes in his arm. Uh, and he would be looking up at in up to heaven and praying, and tears would be falling down his cheeks. Uh, and uh, when they would come and bring Holy Communion to him, uh, and they would hold the gospel over him, he would use every last bit of strength to raise himself up from the bed to kiss the gospel. Uh, and the people that were with us during that time uh, bore witness to that great faith that he had in the midst of his suffering. And uh, many people were, uh, many people were weeping as well, uh, along with Father Seraphim. So that was a deeply moving, profound experience for me to be with Father Seraphim during that, those, those last days, which was right around the time of my, as I said, right at the time of my baptism. And then when he reposed, uh, he had, uh, he, he, his face, uh, of course he was not embalmed, you know, as they often do in America, but his face uh, just naturally formed with this beautiful, peaceful expression and this peaceful smile. And of course, we, we didn't do anything to his face. It just naturally formed that way, and it was like glowing, it turned this golden hue. Uh, and so normally you cover the face of a monastic with a kukuli after a person is, 
has reposed, but Father Seraphim's face was so beautiful in repose that we didn't want to cover it. So we took him up to the monastic monastery church. We had him in the coffin, and he just lay there with that peaceful expression, and people just felt the grace coming from the coffin. Uh, and little children who had never seen a dead body before were not, not, not only were they not afraid, but they didn't even want to leave the coffin. They just wanted to stand next to, to Father Seraphim. Uh, so you could see the holiness of his life was manifested in his, his repose. Uh, and his, mon his body was remained like that during the whole three days before his burial. So um, I, I went through that whole experience around his repose, and then a year later I joined the, the Brotherhood. Uh, the pilgrims who come to the monastery today, uh, most, if not all of them, view Father Seraphim as a righteous man, uh, a holy man. Um, uh, most of them come and seek Father Seraphim's intercessions. There are many accounts of Father Seraphim's uh, heavenly intercessions since his repose, accounts of his uh, miracles that have been performed through his prayers. Uh, some people have seen him in dreams. Um, some people have seen him in waking visions. Some people have been healed of uh, illnesses uh, through his prayers. So there are, yeah, there are many, many accounts of that, that he's found favor with God and has reached the heavenly kingdom that he longed for so, so deeply. And so, uh, so people do you know, come to his grave and, and venerate him from all over the world. Well, there are uh, several miracles that I could recount. Um, one was published uh, in one of the later editions of Father Seraphim's Life and Works. Uh, there is a man who was um, a Pentecostal living in Alaska uh, on the island of Kodiak, Alaska, which is where the first uh, Russian mission came originally. Uh, Orthodox mission came to America. Um, but he was living there in, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 over, I think about at least 10 years ago. And uh, he uh, was there with his wife and little child. And uh, he was uh, working with a, uh, a group of young people who were a native, native Americans, Aleuts, on uh, the island where, at this time he was with a camp, or the, on the island where St. Herman was. And he had this miraculous experience of St. Herman. And as a Pentecostal, he really didn't know what to make of that, but he didn't uh, pay too much attention because he was a Pentecostal and he, uh, um, thought, well, God, there's, you know, God can show himself in various ways. And then he, uh, when he was living in Kodiak, he had a, 
he had a dream at night. And in that dream, this monk appeared. And uh, he knew it was an Orthodox monk because there were some Orthodox people living around Kodiak Island. And this, uh, this monk in the dream had what we know in the Orthodox Church to be an epitrachelion, you know, a priestly epitrachelion. But this man, being a Pentecostal, he thought it was a, what he called a Hebrew prayer shawl. And so, uh, and so this, this monk came up to him with this so-called Hebrew prayer shawl, and he put it over him. And this man, his name was, his name was Aram. That was this na man's name uh, before. You know. So he put this Hebrew prayer shawl over this Aram. And when this happened, this man was so touched by the grace that he, and the love that was coming from this monk and the compassion that he started to weep. And, and then this, this monk said to him, you will be come orthodox, and you will be a priest. And then the man, this man Aram, he looked at Father Seraphim and said, well, I have to wear one of those funny hats. And then the monk said, oh, then he, then he asked the monk, he said, what is your name? And then the monk said, my name is Father Seraphim Rose. And this man had never heard of the name of Father Seraphim Rose in his, in his life. So then he woke up from the dream. Of course, it was a very profound and moving dream that he was um, very real to him. And uh, then he decided to go to a Orthodox church because he knew that there were no Orthodox you know, churches in the area. And he went and asked the priest in the Orthodox Church, without telling him anything about the dream, he said, have you ever heard of anybody named uh, Father Seraphim Rose? And the priest said, yeah, well, we know about Father Seraphim Rose. Here's a book about Father Seraphim Rose. And so that began this man's journey to become Orthodox. And it was very difficult because this man was a very dedicated member of the Pentecostal Church, was very involved. And the Pentecostals were very uh, uh, upset to see him go, um, but he left the Pentecostal church and became Orthodox. Then uh, he began to study an online seminary course. And then eventually he went to seminary and he moved to Greece with his family and graduated from theological school. And then he was ordained a priest. And now he is a uh, priest in uh, Hawaii. Uh, and he's the rector of a church with a Murgushing icon. So, uh, Father Athanasius. And so, that, that's the story of uh, Father Seraphim calling a man to orthodoxy and to the priesthood. Um, and it's a miracle because, again, the man had never heard of the name of Father Seraphim Rose, and he heard it in the dream. <laughs>